Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance, YA at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and with me as my co-host of this miniseries is Jane. Hi, Jane. Hello, Bridget. I went to the Lunar Fair in New Jersey, which is like a fairy magic-themed craft fair, basically, and I got new earrings specifically for this recording. I'm going to take them out so you can see them. They are blue crescent moons with little stars on them. I didn't even think of it. Can you see them? Look. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also got cat earrings, but that is besides the point. Um, I'm also wearing my Cruel Prince rings, which I <laughs> thought that Olivia, I thought you would appreciate. Speaking mm. of which, welcome, Olivia. Hello. From That Fiction Life on YouTube. Olivia does pop culture reviews from TVs to YAs to movies, and she cosplayed as Jude for her Curl Prince reviews, which I love. So that's why I wore my. I have a snake ring and a sword ring. Oh, I love that. So, hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here, and now I regret not wearing my crown <laughs> that I did buy specifically for the Curl Prince videos, which. It's a little bit extra, but that's how I do things <laughs> on my channel, so that's fine. I also own swords and various things, so I definitely relate to all your rings and everything. You own swords? Yeah. Jane, I was just thinking about you because I was in this I was in the city shopping with my sister and I bought some little lightning bolt earrings and I was like, Jane's gonna like these. Yay! I'm going to see them. I love for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I should get a crown though. That's that's you should get a crown. They're amazing. Yeah. And the reason I have a sword, I go to Comic Con every year, except nice. for this year, obviously, for yeah. obvious reasons. But mm -hmm. you know, all the Game of Thrones things, you can buy the actual replica swords. So I've bought some of those. Oh, that's very exciting. It's great to have them on hand for fantasy reviews because oh, yeah. it just looks like <laughs> they belong, which is quite hilarious. But Anything to make yourself feel like you're in a fantasy world, I think is the mm -hmm. way to go with any type of purchase. Mm -hmm. Especially when reviewing fantasy novels. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Well, my husband has a exactly. samurai sword. And sometimes I just swing my fantasy or my uh, samurai <laughs> sword around the house. Um, <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. Because <laughs> we have it. I'm like, well, I may as well just swing it around a bit. Why not? Okay, you guys, today we are, as you know, talking about the Folk in the Air trilogy, and today we're talking about The Wicked King, book number two. As always, this will be rife with spoilers, so if you haven't read the book and you really want to read it before we talk about it, pause and come back in a few hours after you read it straight through, I promise you will. And uh, I think we should just deep dive in, but before we go too deep, um, Olivia, I want to know, like, where did you think this book was going to go? So after you finished the first book, where did you think this book was going to go or where did you hope was going to happen before you started reading it? So for me, I think it, this book was completely unexpected compared to anything that I've read. Same goes for The Cruel Prince, but especially this book because we were so uncertain about where Jude and Cardin were even going to go. So the fact that this book started with him sort of lounging on a throne and being this despicable leader but it was actually Jude pulling his strings that completely threw me for the remainder of the book and I think I knew to kind of expect a little bit of craziness especially as The Cruel Prince ended pretty much like I don't know if you're Game of Thrones watchers but The Red Wedding is what I always compare that whole <laughs> last segment to because it was so insane and so this second book just blew my mind it was different characters to anything I've experienced the plot twists were absolutely incredible. So definitely an unexpected read, I would say. 
How about you, Jane? I agree that the intro being Cardin lounging when the end of The Cool Prince makes you feel like Cardin is going to be doing everything possible to make Jude's life miserable. And the fact that it opens up on him completely like lounged, decorated, rings, earrings, everything like that. That was a surprise. This book I think is my favorite in the series. I'll say that right away because it is like high tension the entire time, no breaks. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted, I think, especially from Judah's character. I agree with that. I think the, the thing I liked the most about this book is that it continued to be like just when you feel like Jude felt like she had like solid footing, it was just like another thing came up and she was like, God damn it, <laughs> like trying to solve things. And and I liked that everything wasn't like perfectly easy. A lot of books when they mm-hmm. get into the second book of the series, like things get a little too easy or there's like nothing really happens because it's kind of just a bridge from one place to the end for book three. And I like that this book is very substantial. Like a lot happens, a lot of character development, a lot of plot twists, like you said, Olivia. So I was very pleased with this book. But having said that though, I think this book should have been longer because if you look at scenes like where Jude is underwater being kept captive, I mm-hmm. thought that would go on for much longer than it did. Yeah, so when it was true. finished, I thought, oh, okay, that's all the emotional attachment yeah. I'm going to have <laughs> to this scene. And I wanted most of all out of this book, if there was one thing that I could change, is that Cardin's reactions, I wanted to know what he felt throughout that whole time she was mm. underwater. Because of course we're here for the romance as well as all the political intrigue and all of that. And I wanted to see his turmoil rather than him kind of just telling us the story later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing about like not having a dual perspective book that is like you don't get to get into his head. Um, but I don't know that the book would have worked if like you ever went into his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Did you read the King? Did you read the How the King of Elfame Learned to Hate Stories? I did, yes, I read that one. I did, yeah. Yeah. See, this is another thing, though. That could have had a scene about his thoughts. Yeah, I agree. From the Wicked King. Mm -hmm. So that's one way we could have seen it. But even within the book itself, I thought that we would hear from Jude a little bit more as well when she was underwater, because Mm -hmm. those few pages did not do justice to what she was obviously going through that whole time. Mm Yeah, and how long it was, because she wasn't there for, like, a day. She was no, there for, yeah. like, two months or something. It was, like, something a very like long time. Yeah. <laughs> it was months, and it was over within a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this shit poppin'. Let's get into it. Obviously, we all have opinions. Let's take a quick break for the jingle, and we'll be right back. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, so like you said, like the book starts out with Cardin having his strings pulled by her. And before we go too deep into all the other fun stuff of the book, I I do want to find out what you guys think about the fact that she's in a she's put herself in a weird spot where she's very powerful, but she's having to pretend she's not as powerful as she is. So whereas in book one, she has no power. So she is always at all times 
being as powerful as she can be. Like she's never like hiding after the first few chapters, never hiding any of her skills. She's always working hard and putting it all out there. Whereas in this book, she's like almost very like boxed. She's boxed herself in a little bit Mm -hmm. where she's like with the high council pretending that she doesn't know what's going on and it doesn't have a whole league of shadows that she runs and doesn't have all this information and obviously sway over Cardin. So what did you guys think about her sort of choices in, or like the fact that she doesn't use all her abilities or show everyone all her abilities at the beginning? I think you go first, Jane. (laughs) Okay. Um, I, okay. What I like about what it shows about her character in the book um, is the little moments where like she'll be talking to the living council, the people like the advisors that are supposed to be there for Cardin that she doesn't let Cardin even get to talk to. It's just her um, or with Maddox or whoever like the political intrigue is involved with. There'll be these little moments throughout the book that I really loved just for Jude um, where she'll be arguing or talking or scheming with or against them and they'll bring something up and in her head, she'll be right on the edge being like, I like, ugh, I could tell them that I have spies. I could tell them that I have this power over them. They don't have no idea that I'm controlling everything, but I can't say it. I won't say it. And like that, her, her pride in this whole book and like her little comments of how, how easily she's gotten used to having so much power and how like she never, ever wants to give it up and how that kind of scares her. That's the best part of those scenes, I think, to watch her restrain herself, but at the same time fighting her nature of, like, desperately wanting more and more and more. Like, she's never satisfied. I really like that aspect of it. How about you, Olivia? I think that Jude has done such an incredible job of embedding herself within Fairy that she doesn't realise that she's become one of them, essentially. Mm. And even holding back in her power, that just shows how strategic she is and it brings up Maddox's upbringing of her and this is something I love to talk about because yes we can hate Maddox yes he's the villain but I think that him treating her like he's she's really his daughter really plays a part in how she navigates all of the political stuff that she does she thinks about you know she's she has all the power but she's not going to use it again strategically and it just shows how smart she is and by using Cardin to carry out her dirty work, essentially, it makes her more powerful than I think anyone would realise. And like you said, she's keeping all this power on the sidelines for a reason. And I think it sort of doesn't play in her favour towards the end. But I think she's heading in that direction, definitely in book three, where she realises how to navigate everything a little bit better, but still maintaining this kind of persona that she's the human that shouldn't really be doing any of this great stuff and a lot of people don't realize how powerful she is i do like that when she goes to visit balkin in the prison like that's when she shows her real colors Mm. she like everyone else she's all nice and then then she goes there and she's like "Mm, interesting okay well i could kill you right now no one's gonna say anything so (laughs) what the fuck do you want and then when that guard slaps her and she's like, Ooh, like oh, basically like kidnaps him and takes him to the court of shadows. I wrote this line down because I thought it was so good. He's all, the high king won't allow this. I give him a sad smile. The high king doesn't know. And you're unlikely to tell him once I cut out your tongue. Watching yes. his fear ripen fills me with an almost voluptuous satisfaction. I, who have had so little power in my life, must be hard, must guard against that feeling. Power goes to my head quickly. And I was like, but I love that she's just like so ruthless. Like that's mm-hmm. my favorite thing about Jude is just like at the beginning, everyone's like, 
Maddox as like, oh, I don't know if you could be a killer or like, I don't know if you could do that. And I just love that after the, like in the last book, she kills one person and she's like, oh, not so bad. And I'm just like, <laughs> just like, she's like, oh yeah, this is no big deal. I can kill people. No, no problem. And I just love how far she's willing to go all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh- reminds me of one of my actually I'll say two of my favorite lines from this book is the little murder jokes in here uh like there's one um where Cardin is talking to the court of shadows and I forget what the issue is specifically but they're talking about killing whoever the issue is I think it's Balkin maybe oh and he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah the three of you have one solution for every problem murder no key fits every lock. Cardin gives us all a stern look holding up a long-fingered hand with my stolen ruby ring still on one finger someone tries to Betray the High King. Murder. Someone gives you a harsh look. Murder. Someone disrespects you. Murder. Someone ruins your laundry. Murder. <laughs> I love that yeah. part so much. And then the other line is she's just talking to Locke and she, I think she threatens him to kill him if he messes with her sister. And he says, your ridiculous family might be surprised to find that not everything is solved by murder. Locke calls after me. We would be surprised to find that. I <laughs> So good. That is my favorite line from the book. And I was just thinking it through <laughs> my favorite to say next. And you took it right from me. But oh, I'm so what sorry. I love most about that scene. <laughs> no, no, it's good because we agree clearly. And mm-hmm. at the start of the book, I love the sort of foreshadowing to that scene a little bit where Maddox tells her that we get power by taking it. Mm-hmm. And again, her strategic thinking, you know, you know, sometimes violence is the answer for her. And the fact that Locke notices this and Locke is a fae right so he doesn't have the most pure morals and he kind of was living amongst all of the questionable courts let's say and he thinks that she goes too far which just kind of puts into perspective (laughs) how crazy she is sometimes and Mm -hmm. I love that about her she's so unscrupulous and she doesn't really care as long as she gets to her goal which I found quite empowering because you know Mm -hmm. you hear the strong female character term and I hate that phrase so much now because Mm. I feel like when people brand characters as a strong female character there's still this expectation that they'll be polite in the way that they do things but Mm -hmm. Jude just does not care and Mm. she she will do whatever it takes or that they'll or that they'll be they'll be um like warm like they'll be powerful Mm -hmm. but warm and they'll be badass but they won't kill women and children or puppies or whatever and they you know Mm -hmm. like instead of killing the evil character who's been stalking them for many books they'll send them to the justice system like it's Mm -hmm. like they don't ever (laughs) get to be you know what i mean like they don't ever get to have that real like rage moment we're like no like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kill them like when mm-hmm, she goes exactly. with threatens Locke and she's like, I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Shut up. I will murder you if you hurt my sister. <laughs> just murder. I don't, I'm not going to banish you. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to come in the dead of night and I'm going to kill you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. bury your body. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember your friend Valerian? I also killed him in the dead of night and buried <laughs> his body behind my, behind my horses. So <laughs> why don't you test me? And she never felt bad about that. She's like, mm-hmm. he tried to kill me. So obviously I murdered him first. Duh. What would you do? Yeah. And yeah. I agree with you. Like, I think the strong female, it's like everyone can't be Wonder Woman. Mm. Like she's like the classic, what I would describe as like that archetype of a strong woman. Like she's strong, but moral. She's strong, but beautiful. She's strong, but. Um, she's got everything. And I feel like 
I feel like Jude is like strong and crazy, <laughs> strong and <laughs> yes. a little bit too much sometimes. I like, yeah. the killing. <laughs> I like that. I like that she is fighting again, like fighting her own nature that she's been raised on to not become a tyrant, like to not take too much control, to not to because because she's doing this in part because she's protecting her younger brother, but she's also partially, that's not the only reason she's doing this. And she can like fool other people into thinking that, but really, she really wants this position. And I love the parts where like, like, okay, I like that throughout the whole book. I mean, she's paranoid. The tension is so high. Um, and I love that there are these little moments in between, like in the beginning um, when mother Marrow tries to trick Cardin into taking her daughter for his bride um, where any moment's delay or any small word that Jude misses could lead to total disaster and her losing everything that she's built up. And she only, like, every little time, she only just intercedes in time to prevent it. And it keeps us on such a thin wire with her and keeps us with her where she's, like, she's never sleeping. She's still poisoning herself. Um, she's juggling all these balls um, in order to, like, keep her power. And at the same time, um, she can't control her feelings for Cardin. She's ashamed of them because she feels like they're making her weak and they're making her bad at her bazillion jobs that she's trying to juggle. And she's trying to stay strong and in control because, again, the smallest slip, everything comes tumbling down. Um, and at the same time, she's watching Cardin slip into his role a lot more easily. And people, like, there's a really great scene where it's after the undersea comes to propose the marriage between Nicasia and Cardin during a revel. And Cardin says, assemble the living council in my rooms in the palace. He tells me, voice cold and remote and royal. I will join you as soon as I can get away. I nod, and I'm halfway through the crowd when I realize two things. One, he gave me an order. And two, I obeyed it. Like, that's such a great part, because you're like, oh, no, like, dude, don't, don't do what he says. But at the same time, Cardin, like, is royal. Like, he is the king of Elfheim. He's becoming more and more of it throughout the whole book. And she's terrified of that, while at the same time being, like, low-key into it. Olivia, what do you think about the fact that the, the like, the land is responding to him and, like, colors are sharper and, like, Jude realizing, like, uh-oh, maybe he's not just a stooge. Like, he can't really be connected to the land. Like, what do you think about that whole part? I feel like, first of all, that's so aesthetically pleasing and Holly Black is a master at writing these visuals about fairy and how all the fruit look and everything around that. So, first of all, that was really fun to read about. But secondly... Again, Jude loves power, and I love that about her. I love that she accepts that she wants it, and going back to her kind of being unafraid about looking for more. But Cardin's whole involvement in fairy history, I think she didn't expect it, and that shocked me, because Cardin comes across as the typical YA kind of angsty boy who, he's not very smart, He's just going around <laughs> drinking fairy wine and all of that. For him to suddenly be more powerful, I don't think Jude knew what to do with that. And especially with the whole lust that they have going on between them, which is a whole other story, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that also snuck up on her. So she's uncertain and she doesn't like that. Because in book one, I feel like she knew what she was doing. It looked like a perfect puzzle piece. All of the plot twists, everything in this book her getting kidnapped, Cardin seemingly not caring about that. It all kind of makes a very messy picture. So I definitely don't think she knew what to do about that, but I loved reading about it because it added depth to his character 
And it just made more for an uncertain read for book three, where all the answers kind of start being answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it all it, it made me feel like, uh oh, like he, you know, he keeps threatening, like, oh, it's been five months, like you only get a year and a day, so you better figure it out. And like, you know, all these people are telling her, oh, he's getting more powerful, and the land responds, and all this other stuff, and she's like in her heart, it's like sinking. She's like, how am I going to keep all this power? Cause he's more than I thought he would be like, to your point of it, like a little depth in his character. He's, he's become a high King in a way that I never thought he could be, um, which mm-hmm. I thought was great. Let's jump to the lust because I think this book has <laughs> so much good simmering tension. Um, you, you know, even early in the book, uh, after his, he gets shot at the first time, and he, she brings him to her room and he's like, kiss me till I'm sick of it. And I was like, ah, yeah, my ah. favorite line. I swear, I like, nothing that Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. I love the part of that where he is like, he sees my expression and laughs a sound full of mockery. I can't tell which of us he's laughing at. Ugh, it's so good. Like they hate mm-hmm. it. They hate it, but they, but they love it. And mm-hmm. I love it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says, like, if you're the sickness, you can't be the cure. And I was like, this poor mm-hmm. little fairy boy, he don't know what's going on in his heart. <laughs> he's so confused. Oh, my God. And later when she says something like, oh, he's not drunk or on death's door, and so he won't kiss me now, like, even though I wish he would. And I was like, oh, sweet Jude, he will. Oh, Just rough. tell him you want some kisses. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, the line where she they get together like behind the um what like the the what's it called the, the table the long table the throne uh, and they're in that like secret little room and there's a oh, whole yeah. thing mm-hmm. i love i mean there's a lot of quotes that we'll be revisiting but i really like in jude's head the part where she goes i hate that he knows what he's doing and i don't i hate being vulnerable i hate that i throw my head back bearing my throat i hate the way i cling to him the nails of one hand digging into his back my thoughts splintering and the single last thing in my head that i like him better than i've ever liked anyone and that of all the things he's ever done to me making him like me is by far the worst it's so Mm -hmm. good it's so good i love i love jude i love how much she hates like the lack of control that she feels but like she's like powerless she's powerless to stop it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think towards the end of the book you know we keep saying that no one really expected them to get together in book one and i certainly didn't because i thought this would happen more book three Mm -hmm. certainly not book two at the start where they would start accepting that they maybe had feelings for each other, maybe not. It was guessing games throughout the whole book. And then towards the end, you know what I'm about to say, but the very last scene, <laughs> it was like someone slapped me in the face. I swear to God, the one line, you know, you can, you can marry me, we'll rule Elfane together. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? <laughs> where did that even come from? And when, so I filmed a video with Holly Black before the book came out and I asked her to give me some info to what can we expect in this book and she said well there's going to be a wedding so I was like okay well it's going to be someone we don't care about it's just going Mm -hmm. to be a throwaway line we upload the video she says nothing and then suddenly pops up and goes oh is it the right time to say that there's going to be two weddings so throughout (laughs) the whole book so this was before the book even published right so I was just looking for this two for these two weddings as I was reading the book and I thought okay where's the second wedding we're right at the end of the book did she lie to me 
was she just trying to spell drama? Mm-hmm. And then Cardin proposed to Jude and I died. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was just, <laughs> that was something else. It's so good. It's also really good. I like there's a little part in there where he gives, so he steals her ring in the beginning of the book, which I loved. That was like a really good part where he takes her ring without her noticing. And he gives it back to her as their wedding ring. And she takes it and like makes their vows. And her one thought is like, I don't have a ring. I don't even have a ring for him. I just love that she thinks that to herself. I just not have a ring. I also like that it showed the difference between fairies. He's like, we're fairy. All I need to do is speak it. And it's true. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. I love, I love all those like moments where you remember. And he's like, well, I guess it's not the same for you, but like I'm high king and I can't like, that's it. I'm a fairy. So once I say you're my wife, you are. And I also like how like later he says things like, you know, like, oh, wife, I see you've kept more than one secret from, from our wedding. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Carter. <laughs> oh, yes. Every single chance he gets, he's like, oh, my wife. Yes. Wife. Wife. That's my wife. We're married. (laughs) I know. It's so cute. I love it so much. I like that um, his ability to, I think she says something like throughout the book, but his ability to recognize her as she is and like love her as she is, I think is really nice because a lot of times in books, they love like who you might be. Or a lot of times in real life, people love who they think you are or who you might be or who you could be or who you hope you could be. And I like that he loves her like as is like he loves her and is scared of her. Like he Mm -hmm. loves her and thinks she's maybe too ruthless. Like he loves her and trusts her. Like he, he sees exactly like all the darkness inside of her and all the ugly things that she is, doesn't like about herself. And he, those are the things that he thinks are great. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's my favorite thing about him is that he's in love with like Jude. He's not in love with the girl that he lusted from afar in school, right. you know, and now he has a chance. Like he, he knows her, like they see each other all the time. Right. And he knows that she's, you know, who she is, which is cool. Yeah. There's that bit in the beginning when she comes into his rooms after, you know, it's Nick Hayes. Yeah. We find out later that shoots mm-hmm. the bed. Cause she's trying yeah. to shoot one of the girls she's with. Um, mm-hmm. But he's like, I thought it was you at first. Just cause like, you know, it makes sense that you'd be shooting at me. <laughs> Jude's like, how do you know it wasn't me? And he's like, Oh, cause it missed. And like, he's yeah. grinning and it's like, you mm-hmm. literally thought she was going to kill you. And you're still like, <laughs> oh, Jude, did you want to like, shoot me? But I knew it wasn't you. Cause you would have killed me and I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What did you I think? Did. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really like when he lets his guard down and I don't think he realizes it. There's a scene towards the end of the book at the party where Belkin thinks that she's under his control and he tries to take her out of the room. Mm-hmm. And Judah's panicking. She's thinking, well, how do I mm-hmm. get out of this? Because I don't want to admit that I'm not under his power, but how else? I don't want to follow him. And then Cardin says, she will not follow you. And I this is another moment like the whole wedding scenario where I just I was absolutely speechless because he's kind of willing to protect her and that's completely blew my mind another instance that will go down in history is one of the best scenes is the whole Taryn who I hate I need to put that out there (laughs) I cannot deal with that character but I digress the scene where Taryn pretends to be Jude and they do the whole dress swapping thing and Cardin doesn't realise. And he says, well, I didn't need you to command me because I trusted you. 
I don't think anyone expected that. And that was such an emotional scene for me to see that vulnerability from him, especially after the majority of the book, he's just spent kind of being all cute versus (laughs) quite aggressive. And so those moments where you see his human side, I guess, a little bit, where you kind of think, wow, okay, he has feelings. This is real. This isn't just a random lustful obsession that he has with her. So I also like that part because the way he says it, he's like, you didn't have to, I trust you. And she's like, oh, like, (laughs) oh, I'm an asshole. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like that she's like, oh shit, maybe I should trust you more. Cause, okay, well, and I I like that it kind of rewrites all these assumptions that she constantly is making about everyone and her lack of trust in general in everyone. Yeah, I like, I agree that she, like the rewriting of the context of all these previous scenes. um, And I like that part too, for Cardin, because the the context that it rewrites is that he's been trying to get her to trust him for the entire time, and he's seen she has seen everything that he's done as just like jabs at her. Like whenever he brings up the fact that there's only like like you know seven months left or six months left or however long she she to herself is like he's holding it over my head, he's like trying to taunt me. When really his plan the entire time is that he wants to work with her like every time he brings it up in his mind it's like so let's work together so like trust me so that you don't have to command me anymore and what I like about it and him in this book is that to her face Cardin is only saying what he thinks he can get away with even like though it's true and even if it's like as blatant as like um as as if you're the sickness that you can't be the cure because to Jude that is like I mean it's it's flirting but it's also kind of an insult um but to him it's just like the truth and he's only saying what he thinks he can get away with because if he's too vulnerable with her he trusts her but not with his heart I would say yet like he doesn't trust her with his own feelings um so he can only engage with her like antagonistically well, especially because she especially because she actually can lie so yes. she just is constantly lying yes. to him about how she feels about him and so yeah. like he's like of course he wouldn't trust her she's constantly like you're the worst I hate you I don't trust you mm-hmm. and he's like oh, okay well she doesn't love me she's never gonna love me <laughs> yeah yeah it's not until later that she finally starts to like give him some nuggets yeah, yeah. Well, that leads me. I one of my favorite parts of the entire of the entire book. I hoo hoo. Oh my god. Okay, is when um once again she is like, okay, you should seduce Nicasia to find out what their plans are, and he's like, oh, hmm, you. I should I should seduce her. Uh, like, is that a command? And she's like, no, of course not. And he's like, you just think that I ought to. You just think that I can. That I'd be good at it. And then they like get into it, and then I love this part. He says, tell me again what you said of the revel, climbing over me, his body over mind. What? I can barely think. That you hate me, he says, his voice hoarse. Tell me that you hate me. I hate you, I say. The words coming out like a caress. I say it over and over again. A litany, an enchantment, a word against what I really feel. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. He kisses me harder. I hate you, I breathe into his mouth. I hate you so much that sometimes I can't think of anything else. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I, oh my God. When I first read that scene, I was like, that's, that is the romance for the rest of my life. I can't accept anything less than that. That's incredible. That is an incredible part. And the part before that, what he's referencing when she's the queen of mirth and she comes up to her to dance and she's like, I hate you. And she like really <laughs> means it then. And he like grabs her chin. And he's like, say it again. And she's like, whoa, what the fuck? Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. What? I love that part too. Yeah. I like that in that scene. He's, he's like, 
he's like egging her on and like, oh, you think I can seduce her? And she's like, you know, you can. Do you not know what mm-hmm. you look like? And he's like, what mm-hmm. do I look like? She's like, I mean, you're like fine looking. <laughs> like, he like forces her to spell it out. Like, yes, I'm attracted to you. I think you're super hot. And yes, I think she would have sex with you or kiss you. I think she would give up her secrets because you're being nice to her. And he's like, I love that he forces her to say it. Yeah. So, I just brand of flirting is something else. And I don't think it will ever be repeated. And never. yes, this series is unique for a number of reasons, but there bond and I keep saying this stupid word balance and I would never kind of I never know how to explain this to people without sounding crazy but I don't like when in books you have these antagonistical characters who are a little bit morally grave but then one is quite overwhelming over the other and you will have this male primarily love interest who will downright bully the protagonist but here they're both rude and loving to each other at the same time and it's just amazing to watch it's a bit like a tennis match as opposed to him kind mm-hmm. of constantly mm-hmm. being over her head and kind of bringing her down and her she being fights like a back doormat. exactly the same way yes exactly so that's what mm-hmm. I love the most about their relationship I think yeah I I was just looking at some other things when she goes to the the hollow hill where he used where he grew up with Balkin and the door is like oh my my prince's lady and she's like uh no and he's like oh, I'm never wrong like I, and I just love that like the door who he has like such a fondness for and he's like my door my prince like clearly they're buddies and he's like oh I know who you are because Cardin loves you and she's like uh I don't think <laughs> And I'm like, Jude, you dumb, dumb girl. Obviously, this boy loves you. (laughs) Biggest edit to that is looking a little bit into book three. I won't say exactly the reason because this is the second discussion, but Mm -hmm. Jude is just so dumb sometimes. Mm -hmm. She doesn't realize that he loves her and she doesn't believe that he would, I guess, trust her as much as he does. And throughout this whole book, she's drunk on her own power that she doesn't sit to think that oh wait actually this boy is totally over heels for you and he (laughs) he's not being evil he's just doesn't know how to navigate his feelings Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and also she's like like she doesn't think she's worthy because she's always felt inferior and fair and she's always trying to like improve herself and at night she's like working on swordsmanship in her own room and drinking all these poisons to try to like she's like doing the mostest all the time but in her heart she doesn't believe she's like worthy of of fairy and worthy of being a fairy and equal to them and that they that he could he love her like she doesn't even think he could love her Mm -hmm. um until he's like, you're a dumb, dumb girl. You're a dumb, dumb girl, dude. <laughs> Obviously, I love you. And she's like, oh, he said it. It has to be true. Uh, oh. Um, Sweet with, dude. You mentioned that you really, really hate Taryn. And I think this is a really good book mm. for Taryn as far as, like, complexity goes. Um, so, like, yeah, talk more about your your loathing for Taryn. Because we've briefly discussed that. I told Bridget online, people, there is no redemption for Taryn online. People loathe and despise her. So let's hear that. Let's hear that. So a lot of people have been telling me, oh, but you need to read The Lost Sisters, the novella. And I said, well, I read that. I still hate her. <laughs> She's not an argument that I'm willing to have with people point I just don't understand how you know they're twins they have an extra special family bond 
And they were both brought up in horrible circumstances. You know, they had to watch their parents die at the hand of their stepfather. Now they're supposed to be in this foreign land. And the fact that she would go as far as to betray her so many times, go into league with Maddox during the whole kidnapping segment, I cannot get over that for the life of me. Why would she do such a thing and then pretend to be Jude at the end of the book to trick Carden? And Jude just doesn't, I mean, she she is very much mad at her, but I don't think she's mad enough. And I don't know if I could ever forgive someone for that, whether they're family or not. That just crossed such a big line. And see, the thing with Taryn, I feel like she's, I don't want to use the word evil because I just think she's a bit mm -mm, sort of pathetic in a way. But Maddox, for example, he doesn't beat around the bush. He fully says that I... I am evil, I'm the villain here, I will do whatever it takes to reach my goal. Taryn is quiet on the sidelines and she will stab you in the back, whereas even Jude herself, she will tell you straight to your face. And so that's my biggest reason. I don't like her. What are your thoughts? Go ahead, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I like that in this book, um, Taryn feels, like from the very beginning, Taryn feels dangerous to you like at any moment for the reader Taryn is not trustworthy not because we know that she harbors like resentment and hard feelings for Jude but because she is kind of absorbed in her own feelings with someone we know Locke is extremely chaotic and mischievous and you can't trust someone in a relationship like that to be a good friend or sister or anything to you and even if you can believe she doesn't want to betray Jude again you still don't trust her even when she does nice things for Jude like there's a really good line when she brings Jude her old stuffed animals when she they haven't talked for five months which is like a kind of you know that's a moment but they literally don't speak to her for five months because of her betrayal and she finally shows up uh, and she's like, I've been trying to talk to you for a while, but you're never here. Um, and like, I want to be friends again. Like, let's let's put this behind us. And Jude is so tired with every other conflict in her life that she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I can't handle like any more fights. So, yeah. And Taryn is being really uncharacteristically nice to Jude after all the stuff that she's done. And Jude's first thought is like, she wants something from me, but I can't bring myself to care because I'm just so exhausted and I'm happy to have someone who cares for me, even in a small way. And then there's a part where Taryn gives Jude her old stuffed animals from the Maddox estate. And Jude thinks to herself, they're a reminder of our shared past, a deliberate reminder, as though she couldn't trust me to remember on my own. They make me feel they make me feel all my exposed nerves when I'm trying so hard not to feel anything. Like that is a manipulation on Taryn's part. Whether or not it's in good faith, like she's trying to use Jude in her position of power. And because she can lie, and because she's kind of a backstabber and she's on the sidelines, she doesn't tell people what she thinks of them, she is kind of the most dangerous person to Jude. And she shows that again and again. And Jude kind of underestimates her as well um, when Taryn continues to betray her and Jude continues not to expect it because just like the way people are scared of Jude because she can lie and she can deceive and that gives her a one-up, Taryn can too. And Jude is dealing with fairy that can't lie except for Taryn who can and does and will lie to Jude just to get like what she wants. Um, so yeah, I understand especially the hatred for Taryn in this specific book. But also I think it makes her a really great, like interesting character. Mm -hmm. She's definitely an interesting character, but she definitely skims the line, whether I would <laughs> pick her as the main villain of this book or mm -hmm. one of the other Faye, because like you said, Faye can't lie. 
So yes, they're being manipulative in the way that they tell the truth, but Karen using that, which is, I guess is her biggest weapon in her arsenal mm-hmm. against Jude, who's gone through the same stuff that she has and for her to keep betraying her. Like you said, at mm-hmm. the start of the book, Jude is kind of willing to forgive her a little bit for the whole lock situation. But the fact that it keeps happening, you think, can you change? You keep saying yeah. that you're going to be there for your sister, yet you keep betraying her. And that's something that I am not on board for. Yeah. Is this the book where, t- did she get married in this book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, I think it's this book. I thought, um, I think in general, I'm going to play devil's advocate just for fun, even though I agree Taryn okay. is a piece of shit and shouldn't have betrayed her. But I'm going to play devil's advocate <laughs> for one second, just for fun. So. I think even from the last book, as well as this book, one of the biggest problems that Jude has throughout all the books is that she doesn't trust anyone with her inner, actual, her inner self mm-hmm. and her actual feelings and her actual like hopes and dreams. And she talks about how Taryn and her were like as children, sort of their own confidants and like they're both afraid and sort of tried to protect each other, etc. But as teenagers now, like when the books begin, they're no longer in sync. Like Jude no longer tells her the truth. And so I think it's a little unfair sometimes to lay it all on Taryn because Jude didn't tell her she was a spy. Jude didn't tell her she was, had killed someone. Jude didn't tell her any of these things. Jude didn't tell her Valerian came into her room and tried to murder her. She didn't go to Taryn and say like, Taryn, holy shit, I got a problem. I need your help. She hid everything. Even going into this book, um, at the beginning, um, you know, she says something like, you know, I can't tell her because I can't trust her, but I desperately want to. I desperately want someone to brag to and talk to. But she... And like, rightly so, obviously, Taryn isn't trustworthy, but she could choose someone else to trust, but she doesn't. And I think in their relationship, part of the the fracture is that neither one of them trusts the other one with whatever their heart's dream is. So for mm-hmm. Jude, it's power. It's it's sort of like, um, like having a purpose and a role in fairy where she doesn't feel small and doesn't feel afraid. And for Taryn, it's having a home and somewhere she belongs where she's not afraid. I mean, basically both of their goals are to not be afraid and they're just going about it in different way and trust. And, and Jude is going about it by herself and trusting in her own prowess and her own ability to um, grab that power as Maddox taught her. And mm-hmm. Taryn is going about it in the way that sort of like Oriana did, where she's looking for a protector in Locke and Maddox as her two main ones that she trusts to protect her in this life. So I will say that like, obviously it's BS, but I understand her background of like wanting to not, you know, have a place and to not be afraid. And that Jude hasn't, you know, told her any of this. Like Jude hasn't trusted her. Like later, I mean, obviously we talk about this in the next episode, but in book three, they become much closer because Jude finally stops lying to her, to Taryn and says like, this is who I am. This is what I want. I will fix this for you, but I'm going to burn shit down while I do. And Taryn's like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Like, okay. I better be on your side because you're like, I thought Maddox was the crazy one, but obviously it's you. That's my devil's advocate take on Taryn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely, it's good because it makes it more of a complex situation as opposed to just Taryn is bad to Jude, because that wouldn't be as interesting. But in the first book, um, 
the reason I think there's a good domino effect on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Taryn definitely struck first. Taryn definitely struck first for sure. Yeah. Well, I think because, well, because even in the beginning before anything really bad happens, Taryn, mm-hmm. uh, in order to protect Taryn, Jude lets her make the bargain with, um, the, the four, okay. uh, fairies, mm-hmm. um, that she will not help Jude ever. Like she never will help you. She's not allowed to like, and, and because of that, she'll be protected herself. And Jude lets her make that bargain, even though it hurts her. Um, so that is what starts Jude not trusting Taryn and what, and not telling Taryn. And, and, and Taryn's like, Oh, I have a boyfriend, because, but I'm not going to tell right. you who it is. And Jude's like, what? yeah. Yeah. And that only happens because yeah. Cause Taryn hides the fact that she's being courted by Locke in a really crappy way that is horrible. And mm-hmm. I would never do that to my sister, but I get that they have <laughs> different, I don't know, ways of showing affection. So, uh, but yeah, what, yeah, do, you it's think, what do you guys think about, um, I don't actually know if this, this scene happened in this book, but we'll just talk about it now anyways, about <laughs> Maddox and Vivi, both like knowing things were hard for Jude and Taryn, but like not really like understanding or choosing not to, to understand how bad it was for them as children. I think this kind of pertains a little bit to the fact that Taryn dealt with this completely differently to Jude. And I think it's because Maddox and Jude seem to have the most, I guess, intense bond out of all of them even though Vivi's his actual daughter that he you know he murdered a whole family to get her back but he seems to have this really weird respect for Jude even whenever she defeats him he low-key seems quite proud of her and so I think he thought that she was just fine with how she's dealing because she's so strong and she's willing to become a knight in book one and he's kind of shocked by that but he's willing to let her do it and so I think he kind of turned himself off to the whole feeling side of that to realize that they're both in quite a foreign land and they don't know how to deal with this situation. But also with Taryn, like you said, she's going about her whole situation similar to how Ariana did. And I don't think he knows how to deal with that. I think he sees the warrior side in Jude and he just, that's closer to how his personality is, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think both Phoebe and Maddox underestimated how this situation is for both of them differently for the twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Viv is, she's like a really good character because she's not as close to Jude as Taryn is. It's not as in your face, but Vivian is upon reading this another time, Vivian is a really frustrating character to read because she herself is very selfish. Um, and we, we get it in the first book a lot where Jude talks about how when they were younger and getting used to fairy and being happy in fairy because they were children, Vivian used to like pinch them and hurt them so that they wouldn't be happy anymore because she couldn't stand the fact that they were. And that's hard for Vivian too. Like she also saw her mother murdered, but she never puts herself in their shoes. She never wants to understand what it's like for them. And yeah, even though she's trying to become more trustworthy, to Jude and she's helping Jude with Oak and everything it's still more about Vivian than it's about anybody else like her own perception of things is what she holds above everything else and she judges Jude for a lot of the things that she does even when Jude is trying to protect Oak um and that part I like that Vivian is like that even though it's frustrating 
because it's a very fairy-like quality to have. Yes, and no matter definitely. how much Vivian wants to be in the mortal world, like Vivian wants to be mortal so bad, and she can't ever truly be because she has the nature of a fae. And she shows that in Glamouring Heather, which is such a crazy part. I can't, like, I, I was shocked when she did that. And when Jude is, like, really pissed, I love that whole scene because that brings up those, like, repressed resentments that Jude has against Vivian for being a fae in the first place. What do you think about that, of Vivian and Heather, in this book? I was actually going to bring up that scene when they go to, is it Taryn's wedding or party? Wherever they're going to. It's, yeah, it's Taryn's wedding, yeah. Yeah, actually, it was really funny how <laughs> they told her how they were going to travel there. She's like, oh, we're getting an airplane. <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to get a sea horse instead. That's so fun. <laughs> but it's, she sort of just glazes over the fact that she's taking her to Yes, they're called fairies, and this is supposed to be this cute, colourful land, but it's a quite dangerous place, you know? Come on, someone can just kill you within a second, mm-hmm. and it's not as cute as it would seem to be. And she just takes her there, someone who she's supposedly head over heels for, they're in love, mm-hmm. and you're taking her to the most dangerous place on Earth without warning? Mm-hmm. That was a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't give me good vibes of their relationship <laughs> I do love them together I think that whenever we see them I think they're a great dynamic to have compared to you know Jude and Carden's absolute I don't even know what that chaotic love <laughs> is but I think <laughs> they were sort of refreshing to see more of like a normal human fairy relationship compared to Carden and Jude's fairy slash human relationship but I really don't mm-hmm. agree with how she navigated that whole mm-hmm. situation she does it very selfishly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that was kind of the the thing I was sort of trying to allude to and obviously did not do a good job of, is like, Jude's <laughs> so mad at her because she's like, you know how hard our childhood was. And Viv's like, what do you mean? She's like, what yeah. are you, we're, no, you didn't even give her a charm. You didn't tell her the rules. And so she like takes Heather on the walk and is like laying it in like real scary terms. Like, don't drink anything. Don't eat anything. Right. Put salt, like, she's like, put on all these charms. Don't ever take them off. Don't go anywhere yeah. with anyone. Deverly. Yeah. It's like, and she's like, uh, like I would be super scared if someone did that and was like giving me all these roles. I'd be like, should I be here? It feels like yeah. maybe I shouldn't come. Yeah. Um, That's selfish. Yeah, and it's like willful was, ignorance too. Yes. Yeah. Willful ignorance for sure. Okay. Let's talk about Balkin. Cause, um, okay. Balkin poisons Cardin. So now she's, she, got kidnapped, went into the sea, etc. They didn't know she couldn't be glamored. So she basically just like holds out through sheer determination and pretends the whole time that they've glamored her. They send her back. She's supposed to kill Cardin. Obviously she's not going to, but he poisons Cardin and he kisses her. I thought that was such a sweet moment when he oh, kisses her and too. she's like, I've dreamed about him kissing me for so long. I can't bring myself to stop. And then she's like, wait a minute, that's poison. Poison. Um, <laughs> And, um, but I just love that scene where she goes to him with the empty vial and like tricks him. Oh yeah. That's another part where, yeah, where like she, Karin's like, don't kill him. No murdering Belkin. He stays alive. Murder is not the answer. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes and tricks him and she doesn't like. A, a, you know, go ahead and first, but he dies. He ends up dying, and that was inevitable. Jude was not going to let him live. After what he did to Jude, no, absolutely not. He deserved to die. 
No, for sure. I agree. And for me, that scene was so hilarious. I genuinely <laughs> laughed because it was so Jude. Like, this yeah. is something that only she could have orchestrated, you know, throwing the antidote, drinking it herself. Mm-hmm. It was so chaotic in the best way. And it again shows how thoughtful this book is on Holly Black's part. Like, she genuinely had to think about every minute detail because you have to be quite conscious of the fact that the fake can't lie. So whatever Belkin says to her, you kind of have to think about whether he's been, is he lying to her? So the fact that she kind of got one up on him was absolutely incredible. And it made me even more obsessed with her than I already was. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I also like their duel because then he like challenges her essentially. It's like, I'm going to kill you. And I just love that he's like, hold on, I surrender. And she's like, no, nah, like too late. <laughs> yes. She could have stopped. She didn't have to kill him, but she was Mm -hmm. like, please. Uh, Mm -hmm. You tried to poison the High King, who's also my boyfriend, kind of, maybe (laughs) I wanted to be. And also, like, you kidnapped me and starved me for months and thought it was hilarious and made me kiss you. So, no, I will not. That part made me so mad. I love, okay, just a real quick tangent on the undersea because that's like oh that's a pretty big event of the book but you're right it only takes For place sure. over like a couple chapters but i think that the undersea happening in this book is such is such an essential part because jude again is juggling all this stuff she is on such a thin wire about everything going on anything come crumbling down she has so many balls in the air and then it is so painful for her to both be betrayed by one of the very few people that she actually trusts to delegate any power to, taken to the undersea, she loses her advantage, she's unable to command Cardin, she loses her uh, myth- mithridatism, she has to humble herself in front of Nicasia and Balakan, it's humiliating, and she spends the last two books, she just spent the last two books trying to make sure this thing doesn't happen ever again. Like, she gets the chaos from Dane so that no one can control her again. And even though, in a way, she has the upper hand by them not knowing she can't be glamoured, she still is, in effect, being glamoured in a way because she has to do everything that they say. That's the one thing that she was like, that's the one thing I never want to happen to me again. And it does because she's trapped under the ocean again. Like it's such a slap in the face for her getting knocked down after all this power has been built up. Um, So going back to when she gets one over on Balkin, I think it's good for the reader to know that like she can't be held down forever. Like she gets that bit of confidence back again again where she won't be even though she was just knocked down like several pegs she's still gonna come back and murder his ass because that's what he gets and because she's a badass she was so mm-hmm. opportunistic in that whole section because like you said throughout the whole book she had to sit down and take it because otherwise it would be revealed that they have no power over her it was about picking that right moment and the fact that it was Belkin I think it was going back all the way to book one with how he brought up Cardin and all of that abuse that happened behind the scenes mm-hmm. obviously it didn't happen in the book I think it was such a huge moment and arguably it was the most important moment in this book because it wasn't just about Jude defeating him for her own good it was revenge for Cardin right. it was yeah. revenge for kidnapping her and taking her only power away from her while she was in the undersea and it also opened up the whole political court to this book and it explained all of the different relations between the different Mm -hmm. species so I think it was just such a well-rounded moment that ticked so many boxes 
And I think it allowed Cardin to grow up because without her there as his mm-hmm. crutch, he had to actually be the yeah. High King for the first time. And when she came back and realizes like, she's going through all the commands she ever gave him and realizes like, I never gave him one that would have forced him to come get me and make a bargain right. for me. And she also right. thinks it's a bad bargain and that he shouldn't have done it. Um, she's <laughs> like, if I was here, I would have told him not to do it, but I wasn't here. I was, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it allows her to see him in a different light and like actually see him as a ruler, a different than the boy who was mean to her and see him as right. a ruler and see him as, like someone who maybe does have good interests for her and maybe does have her back and maybe is going to help her, which again makes like the cliffhanger at the end of this book so much worse because he's now gotten her to trust him, gotten her to like him. And then all of a sudden he's like, I banish you. And like all of that, like good feelings that she had brought up, just like, she feels so stupid. And like, that was a rough ending. I was like, she's like, yeah. Where she yells, like, I'm the queen of fairy. And he just, like, stays silent. And it's just like, ah, oh, like, she was there. Like, she was at the top. But no matter what she says, it doesn't matter. All he has to do is stay silent. And she's, like, dragged away. Like, it's such a dramatic. And everyone laughs, love, laughs at her. laughing at her. Oh, it's such a fun. Dr- like, you don't, once again, with Jude being a very singular protagonist, you don't get scenes like that in other YA books where the protagonist is, like, clawing for this power. Like, I am the high queen. And there's, like, this dark like drama of her being torn away from the land that she's she was at the very top for just one split second and now like dragged all the way down like it's so it's horrible but it's also so good it's so good I think in that moment she also realized how much she enjoyed I think I guess slightly before the actual scene happened but she realized how much she enjoyed being in charge of Cardin and having that little bit of power but I think another reason she wants this power isn't just so she's the big, powerful queen of fairy, but it's also to prove to all the people, especially in book one, who didn't realize that she could be yeah. a queen. And she got it for this one split second just for it to yeah. be taken away from her. I think it was such an iconic moment. Yes, it was sad, like moment, you just yes. said. But it oh, it was so heart-wrenching. <laughs> and the fact that Cardin didn't, like, he laughed later. He's like, what, what do you mean? He, he thought that I could do <laughs> He's like, I did trick you. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, you big dummy. Yeah. <laughs> it was honestly everything that I could have wanted. And as traumatic as it was. Yeah. Totally. And it was like right after he had just stood up to the queen of the undersea with all this power and lifted a new little yes, island from yes. the sea. And like, she's looking at him like, oh shit. Like, yeah. uh-oh. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is a high king, you know, that we haven't seen in eons or whatever. And then for him, like his next thing, when they're like, well, she killed our ambassador, so you have to kill her. And for him to just like, like, I think she said, uh, it says, like, authority ringing in his voice. Like, he's, like, mm-hmm. now, uh, like, accepted that mantle and is brought, you know, bringing down this proclamation. And her heart is just, like, bursting sadness. It goes back to book one a little bit as well, where he would just antagonize her and everyone would laugh. Yeah. And I think that just yeah. brought back such oh. horrible memories mm-hmm. for her. So just putting myself in that situation, like, the foreshadowing, I guess. In book one, for it to lead up to this moment is just Mm mind-blowing to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like her worst nightmare. It's literally her worst nightmare coming true where everything comes crumbling down and she's exactly back where she was in book one with people laughing at her for being like a pathetic mortal who could who could assume that she would have any place in fairy, even though she is the queen. What did you, um, I know we're not going to talk about book three, but what did you <laughs> think after you read this book, what did you think was going to happen in book three before you read I it? thought, so for me, I was having a panic because I didn't know whether to believe. So when my video came out, The Wicked King, everyone was saying, oh, Cardin's just joking. It's not true. For me, I thought that was way too easy. I personally Mm. thought that there was going to be something wrong with the crown. You know how it's like you have to wear the correct crown in order to be the true ruler. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, she's going to forge her own crown or something. We're going to get the weaponsmith to come over to the human world. I had all these theories, and I didn't think that they were going to reunite in such a cute way, I guess, because she herself thinks that he banished her for horrible reasons. He's not doing this just as a joke. So I didn't know what to expect other than the fact that I thought Cardin was going to go back to his book one ways. Mm-hmm. I genuinely thought that's where this was heading. I was going to have to do another sort of 180 on their relationship again, as opposed to them having quite a calm meeting when they come back into the mm-hmm. same plot together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I was, um, I was telling Jane, I thought it was going to be like fire and brimstone. I thought book three yeah. was just going to be like, like you said, like red wedding all over again. Like Jews is going to come back somehow and just like tear that shit up. That's what I. That's what I thought was going to happen. Um, so I was definitely surprised when I read book three because I was like, "Oh, she's not tearing shit up. What's happening? Yeah, what's um going on? Yeah, this is why I thought book three was so tame in comparison to book two because everything just fit into place in book three, which is something I didn't expect until right at the end of the book. I thought they would be having fights. I thought one of them would kill the other genuinely at the start of book three, but it was like, oh, rainbows and ponytails. Let's just <laughs> go and defeat the big bad yeah. villain instead together. So yeah. definitely, this sort of about book three as well, but I thought that this whole series would end with Jude becoming the villain. I genuinely thought oh, that wow. she would mm. reach her limit and kind of think, okay, well, you know what? I've, you know, sort of like a cup with water dripping mm-hmm. into it and it would overflow mm-hmm. and that would be her limit. And she would burn down the whole of Elfame because she's just had enough of everything, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, that's, And that didn't that's happen. Like, and I thought, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, is she going to be the only high queen? Because like something is going to happen to Cardin and like her murdering him or what's going to happen? Um, well, you guys, we will talk all about that in our next episode when we talk about book number three. Olivia, do you have any last thoughts about Wicked King? This might be my favorite book ever, actually. I know ever. that book, people that. don't like to be asked this. I mean, I guess you have to kind of give yourself different like genres. Ten because best you books, can't just you know? say ten best yeah. ones. <laughs> so I guess maybe YA fantasy, this is my mm-hmm. favorite. If we picked like a different genre, it would be different. But mm-hmm. as for, as far as fantasies go, I think this is the most unique one I've ever read. Not just mm-hmm. because of the romance, but because of all the political intrigue and the way that it's written. I think the writing style 
so is good. phenomenal in this book. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. Jane keeps citing all of these quotes. They are, yeah. you know, it's like being slapped in the They're face with really these lines. This isn't oh, no. just normal dialogue that you hear in every other book. The so. dialogue is so good. And I'm a huge fan okay. of dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite part of anything, like TV, movies, whatever. I just like the dialogue. The dialogue is so perfect for every individual character in this, especially Jude. I love everything she says. Mm-hmm. And Cardin, but like Jude, Jude. Sweet, sweet. And it's like a guessing game whether she's yeah. being genuine or whether she's trying to plot a murder again. Yeah. So this is it's like a, it's like a chaotic read because you don't know where she stands. You don't know. This is why I thought she would be the villain. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. some of her thoughts are so unpure that you would never yeah. anticipate a protagonist saying these things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, I love Judy with my heart, just the most craziest in the best way. Mm-hmm. I was For saying sure. before, she is one of my favorite characters of all time, forever. Mm-hmm. No one will yeah. ever beat her. She's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. These books definitely were um, single, single sitting, read all the way through. And then I was like, yeah. damn it, I have to wait a year. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a year for the next one. Why do I buy it on the first day it comes out? I always regret yeah. it. I remember reading The Wicked King actually in public. And that was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All the lines, I, like, I can't react physically, Shaking, right? Because yeah. people around me will think I've gone insane. So yeah. that was definitely an experience. So funny. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking with us. This is so fun. Let all of our dear listeners know how to find you on YouTube. Now, I am on That Fiction Life on YouTube. And you can also find me at Olivia underscore G-A-C-K-A on social media thank you so much for having me on to talk about what we've established is one of my favorite books ever i had the best time (laughs) for sure well you guys that's all we have for you today until next time may your books be your lover and ya your best friend thanks for hanging in with us romance readers head over to instagram to continue chatting with us we're super friendly we want to cackle with you we want to know what your favorite sex scene was and we need more book recommendations If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.